Hello, welcome to Temple Talk. Before we begin, I need to mention a few things. Firstly, I am not an official representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor am I sponsored by them. I'm doing this on my own time and on my own dime. Secondly, every resource I use to create each episode are all publicly available material approved by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I will always include links in each episode description. Lastly, if you'd like to learn more about our beliefs regarding the temple and all things, I will also include a link to the website churchofjesuschrist.org in the episode description. Thanks for tuning in, and now for the episode. Hello, welcome to Temple Talk. My name is Camille. I will be your Temple Talker today, and I have a very special guest Temple Talker with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Jaler Hoff. I am the mother of the amazing Camille Hoff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is the best. I feel like with the uh, stripling warriors in the Book of Mormon that my knowledge of the gospel has come from my parents being so diligent in teaching me. So this is an honor <laughs> to be able to discuss with you. We tried it hard. She <laughs> nailed it. So today the episode we're discussing will be about the temple garment and about the temple initiatory. I just want to reiterate that all the resources we're using are publicly available, approved by the church. We'll be using the words of the prophet regarding the endowment, examples from scripture and modern revelation to better help all listeners prepare for their temple experience. This topic is very sacred, and while we won't discuss any specific ordinance, we will talk about the covenants we make and the blessings that come from keeping them. I'm really excited, so let's dive in. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and start by sharing an experience from the life of Jacob, an Old Testament prophet that talked about the covenants that he made. I'm going to share a quote from President Marion G. Romney relating the experience. He said, when Jacob traveled from Beersheba towards Haran, he had a dream in which he saw himself on the earth at the foot of a ladder that reached to heaven where the Lord stood above it. He beheld angels ascending and descending thereon, and Jacob realized that the covenants he made with the Lord there were the rungs of the ladder that he himself would have to climb in order to obtain the promised blessings, blessings that would entitle him to enter heaven and associate with the Lord. So in connection with the sacred event, the Lord made sacred promises to Jacob regarding himself and his posterity, and Jacob made promises to God that he would be faithful in observing specific commandments. After this vision, Jacob set up a stone as a memorial for what he had experienced there. He named the place Bethel, which means the house of God. So just as Jacob had to climb each step of the ladder to ascend to heaven, we must receive and obey the ordinances and the covenants of the house of the Lord to return to his presence to become like him. So we do learn from the scriptures that everything is done in order, especially in God's house, and that we need to, we learn line upon line and precept upon precept, and we build upon the things that we've learned. And the temple is no exception. In the temple, as I talked about with last episode with Caitlin, we start with our baptismal covenants and ordinance. We are confirmed. We are be able to receive the, the gift of the Spirit. And then we get to receive our own endowment when we're worthy, as we talked about with the Temple Recommend episode. The initiatory portion of the endowment, which is the beginning of the endowment ceremony, ends with the culmination of the sealing blessings of the Temple, and we are able to be sealed as families for time and eternity. Super excited to talk about that, but that will be a different episode. We are able, as I had talked about earlier in the season, when we receive these ordinances for ourselves, to receive them on behalf of those who have already passed away as proxies for those who are dead. And this, the baptism ordinance is really the foundation of the covenants that we get to make further in the temple. And no other ordinances in the temple can be done without that foundation of baptism and confirmation being completed. And everything you experience in the endowment ceremony, and again, I'll talk more about that next episode um, with my guest, that the endowment ceremony itself, but the initiatory is the beginning of that process. I think I had heard, it's like in the 80s, that uh, the endowment ceremony, and I'm actually, that's probably not the right date. I'm curious to see if you know, uh, that the church had officially split up the endowment ordinance to be initiatory and then the endowment for convenience sake so that people were able to get some of those work done for ancestors in a shorter amount of time than like the three hours that it takes to do the whole ordinance. So um, we're specifically focusing in on the initiatory part. And then the next episode will dedicate to the ceremony of the endowment. Um, I don't know. Do you know if that's true? I heard that. <laughs> the first time I received uh, my endowment in the temple was in 1984. So I can't speak to what happened before that. And 
it was separate then. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, which is great. That leads into my first question. Do you remember your first temple experience when you went to receive your endowment? Um, did you have things that you did to prepare yourself or there were any feelings or thoughts that you had in particular? Um, I did spend a lot of time in fasting and prayer to prepare for my temple experience. I remember being very nervous. I didn't have a lot of preparation. My mother showed me um, the ordinance clothing that I'd be wearing in the temple, and it was beautiful. She always took such good care of her temple clothing, and it was always ironed and pressed, and it was beautiful. And um, she showed me what we would be wearing, and we went to purchase the items and the garments that I would be wearing throughout my life. But I remember the day of when I went to the temple and received my endowment that it felt very different than any other worship service in our church. And I remember thinking, wow, this is this is very different than other sacrament meetings or meetings that I have attended. But I looked around the room and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and my parents were all there and just beaming. And the spirit was so strong that I didn't worry that it was different and unusual from what I expected. I just felt very peaceful. And I thought, if if it's okay with everybody else and it's okay with the Lord, it's okay with me. Love that. I think a lot of people have that experience that it's so it's so different because we talk about in my temple prep class that a lot of the things that we do in our church are pretty literal and everything at the temple is so symbolic. <laughs> There's, You can dive in for years and learn something brand new every time you go to the temple if you uh, keep your mind open and as you prepare. So there's so much to discuss, and we certainly won't be able by any means to touch on all of it. But uh, I'm really excited to talk about that experience of receiving your initiatory and what that means. And the blessings of wearing the temple garment. I, I titled this episode that the modest are literally the hottest, because if you live in Texas and you, you wear your garments, it's it's a blessing. But oh boy, it makes you more sweaty. <laughs> That's my experience. But it's worth it. But it's so worth it. <laughs> we'll discuss that. Everything in the endowment that you experience in the initiatory has a very biblical basis. And so they, we're going to share a lot of scriptures that talk about Aaron's experience, his sons, the experience of Jacob and Moses. There are just so many examples in all of the standard works that priests that would come to the temple needed to be sanctified, which means to be washed, anointed, and clothed. And that would prepare them to enter into the sacred parts of the temple and to be in the presence of God. The word sanctified actually in the Greek translation means to make holy. So we're going to talk today about the process of becoming holy in the initiatory ordinance to be prepared for the endowment. So before we begin, besides the actual ordinances themselves, what are some things that we do to sanctify our spirits before going to the temple? And if there's anything that you would like to share that you specifically do to prepare to go to the temple, I often find, especially when I was a temple worker, that I would try to to prepare my whole day to go to the temple. I would try to be very thoughtful in my prayers, in the music that I listened to, and the activities that I did, so that nothing would distract me from getting to feel the Spirit that day. That was my goal. It didn't always turn out that way. There were times I would wake up late and uh, rush to the temple and probably wasn't as thoughtful as I should have been going to the temple. But overall, I always felt like when I listened to church music, when I prayed, Uh, When I listened to conference talks in my car ride on the way over to the temple, my mind was so much more open and prepared to enjoy the experience of the temple. Is there anything that you have? I agree. I I have always tried to prepare myself too. So I'm not thinking about what am I making for dinner tonight or what do I need to do after this? I kind of have my day planned. When my children were little, we scheduled time each time we went to the temple and we let the kids know ahead of time, in four days, I get to go to the temple and you get to have a special babysitter and I have a fun toy for you to play with only when she comes. And I prepared my children. I prepared myself and we all were excited for that time in the temple. And it's always been a blessing to go. I really like that. Looking forward to going to the temple and and making that time. Now that we uh, are changed after COVID with having to have appointments. And of course you can go without having an appointment. They'll accommodate you. But that really helps me set apart in my mind I've made an appointment with the Lord and I need to be ready to be there on time and to uh, meet it with exactness pretty much. And I think that by making appointments, I think it's helped everybody to just be more mindful of coming to the temple each time. So I think that's been pretty interesting to see that system 
So when I was preparing, I was very, very lucky. Uh, my parents have raised me so well in the gospel. I had a lot of friends who told me, if you're familiar with the books of Genesis and the Old Testament, that you're pretty much prepared for a lot of the things you'll encounter in the endowment. And my bishop, when he interviewed me, he walked me through the whole process pretty much step by step. He said, okay, you're going to show up at the temple. You're going to make your appointment. You're going to have someone with you to help you go through the process, like an escort, which is pretty much there there to just kind of be with you. So you have someone on your side. So it doesn't feel overwhelming. He told me, okay, then you get into the dressing room and you get dressed. I mean, he literally walked me through every step. And so when I went to the temple, yes, there were materials that were new to me in terms of the way that we experience making the covenants. But none of the doctrine was something shocking to me. There was no massive revelation. There was no secret, you know, the three things of church you get to learn in the temple and number three will shock you. It wasn't like that. It was it was very much I'd been preparing my whole life by living worthily to have a temple recommend. And so I think a lot of people have the experience that when they go to the temple to receive their endowment, that they really think they're going to learn something so shocking and different and this big secret that's being kept. But really, what you're learning are ways to make covenants. And the church has been just so wonderful and transparent with a lot of the covenants that we make in the temple that we'll get to cite. As always, I'll include a link uh, in the resources section so that you can check that out for yourself. But there are so many good resources, and that's why I'm excited to share this. My bishop recommended that I read the book Preparing to Enter the Holy Temple by President Boyd K. Packer. So I'm going to quote something that he said here. He said, the ordinances of washing and anointing are referred to often in the temple as initiatory ordinances. It will be sufficient for our purposes to only say the following. Associated with the endowment are washings and anointings, mostly symbolic in nature, but promising definite, immediate blessings as well as future blessings. So when I teach temple prep, I actually have this image from the TV show, The Crown. Have you seen that show? I've seen some of it. I actually haven't seen it, but I have the image. And it's really interesting because the things that we experience in the temple initiatory are very similar to the coronation of a king or a queen. And we know that those coronations came from biblical basises. And so it makes sense that from the same source, we get to see things that came in history through that, but that we get to have that experience in the temple. Have you ever seen a coronation? Have you ever watched any of the televised ones? I have. And I did find the same parallels that you spoke of. They anoint their heads with oil. They bless certain parts of their body to function well as they take on this new responsibility. It reminds me a little when we get a new calling in our church that they set you apart, they do a special prayer, and they give you the tools and the blessings that you will need to fulfill this calling. And I feel like that is part of the initiatory is you are blessed with very special blessings to help you throughout your whole life as you prepare to undergo the rest of this um, preparatory time on earth to accomplish what you need to get back to our Heavenly Father. I love that. I never thought about that in terms of callings. That's really great. I'm going to think about that now. I love that. I uh, <laughs> This is an embarrassing story. I was teaching temple prep once and I was talking about the initiatory and I had the picture with the coronation and I had asked if anyone had seen a coronation. And I, just being myself, I don't know, I'm not the most thoughtful. I was saying I saw a coronation once and it was the most boring few hours of my life. It goes really slow. It was a, it was a British coronation. And I was just kind of teasing it. And then a guy raised his hand in the class and he was British. And he said, I can attest it's an extremely boring experience. And I was like, oh, thank heavens I didn't offend him. And then all I could think of was the quote from Parks and Rec. And I said, have you ever seen Parks and Rec? He said, no. And I said, there's a quote by Ron Swanson who said that your overlords are a frail old lady and a baby. <laughs> I don't know why I said that to the sweet British man. <laughs> all I could think of was insulting. <laughs> monarchy. He was so nice. He he forgave me later. I just felt really bad that I just needed to, I don't know, ruin his monarchy for him. But <laughs> I can say officially a British man has said that the coronation is extremely boring for British people as well. So that does help me feel It is very better. long. Luckily, in our temple, this ceremony is very brief and Thank it is heavens. beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I was able to pull some resources because I wanted to study a little bit more about the coronation process for the monarchy. And this is specific to Great Britain. I'm sure it could be different in different cultures of the world. But it talked about how the coronation service is actually a religious ceremony, which takes place during Holy Communion. 
The most important and the most holy part of the ceremony is the anointing. This is where the Archbishop of Canterbury makes a cross with holy oil on the royal forehead and elsewhere on the body to show that the monarch has been chosen by God. The Liber Regialis, I'm hopefully I'm saying that right, shows us a Christian order of service that has been used for hundreds of years. The Archbishop anoints the sovereign with holy oil on the hands, the breast, and the head. This is the most solemn part of the coronation service, for by anointing the monarch is set apart or consecrated for the responsibilities of a sovereign. So I like to tell people, if your love language is words of affirmation, which it very much is for me, then the initiatory is going to be one of the best experiences you have in the temple because you're experiencing symbolically washing, anointing, and clothing, and you're just promised blessings. It's all about the blessings that as you are willing to do the things that God asks you to do with the covenants that you're going to make in the endowment, that you will receive so many gifts from him. And he's basically, you're being set apart to be a king and a queen in God's kingdom. So it is really uplifting. I love getting to talk about the initiatories because again, it's just so hopeful. So I'm really excited to talk about that. In the uh, church website under the topic of initiatories, it says, in the first part, you will privately and individually receive what are called the initiatory ordinances. These ordinances include special blessings regarding your divine heritage and potential. As part of these ordinances, you will also be authorized to wear the sacred temple garment and be instructed to wear it throughout your life. All ordinances in the temple point to Jesus Christ. And so in the initiatory, when we are washed symbolically, there's always, there's full clothing, it's all very comfortable, but when we're washed symbolically, we're showing that Christ has cleansed us through his atonement. And not only by the power of God can we be anointed, but that as we repent, that we can become clean again because of our Savior. The temple garment that we wear is a reminder of the covenants and it all points right to the Savior. So I want to make sure I make that very clear that everything we do in the initiatory and everything that we do when we wear our garments, it points to Jesus Christ. It points us towards our future of becoming kings and queens in his kingdom. That makes a difference in how I behave. Mm-hmm. I I am grateful for those reminders every single day as I prepare for my day and get dressed to be reminded of the covenants that I've made and the potential that I have. It reminds me of a story mm-hmm. um, of King Louis the Sixteenth. His parents were gone. He was a young man that was getting ready to take the throne, and um, evil men decided that they would ruin him so that he would not be the king that his parents had envisioned that he would be, which has some applications to life. We are meant to be kings and queens, and there is an adversary who does not want us to become such. Um, they paraded in front of this young man the most vile things that the world had to offer, horrible images, horrible um, scenes in front of his eyes, all kinds of things, foods that are bad for you, everything that could destroy him spiritually and emotionally, they paraded in front of this young man, and he would not partake of any of it. And when After a time, they said, why are you not partaking in any of this? And he said, I was born to be a king. I have nothing to do with this. And I feel that way in my life when I am tempted to partake of some of the things of this world. I do not want to. I am to be a queen. And I take that responsibility seriously. This is from my heavenly father. And I don't want to participate in the things that would disqualify me from becoming my full potential. I love that. Thank you. That really reminds me, I thought I would mention that if anyone's not familiar with the belief and faith that we have as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe the point of this life is to learn and to become like our Heavenly Father, to be kings and queens, um, and to get to rule and reign, to have families. And I think that's something that's pretty unique to to our church, that we believe that life isn't just some social experiment where we're some statistic. God just wants to see if we can be faithful, that he's training us to get to live with him and to have the blessings that he wants us to have. The initiatory is tied into our eternal destiny, our eternal legacy that we're going to have, that we really believe this life is an opportunity for us to make choices, to learn, and that after we die... We will still get to make choices and continue to learn so that we can one day become like him. 
we're God's children. We have divine potential and we are born to eventually become um, all that our Heavenly Father sees in us. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love that. So I, I, like I said before, we're really set apart to fulfill some of the responsibilities that we have as children of God. Uh, what does it mean to you to have divine potential and what are we kind of set apart for in the initiatory? If you have any thoughts. Just what we've been saying, mm -hmm. Camille said we want to be like our heavenly parents. That includes our heavenly mother, just like here on earth, man and woman can have children and posterity. Our heavenly parents had each of our spirits and then we came to earth and we're able to have bodies, but that's not the end of the plan. The whole plan is a very eternal, ongoing plan, and it makes a difference in, in what we look at and what we believe and what we do here on this earth to prepare for eternities. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, a lot of this life is to develop the traits that Jesus Christ showed that he displayed. And a lot of our responsibilities are to minister, to love the people around us, to help lift, to have faith, to serve, to make temple covenants. Uh, these are a lot of the responsibilities that we're set apart to do. And in the initiatory ordinance, when we are set apart, we are blessed to be able to do all the things that God has set us apart to do on earth. It's just like those rungs on that ladder that Jacob saw. As we progress through those, we're taking each new step. Yep. And uh, I would like to share this experience. Uh, when we went to the Gilbert, Arizona temple for my cousin's ceiling um, to his family, we had done an endowment session the night before. And in the celestial room, there was a deaf sister who was signing. I recognized the sign language to her friend. I took sign language for a few years in high school and Thank heavens she had the patience of the saint because uh, it's been a while in my practice. I didn't practice <laughs> as well as I should have. But I came up to her and I asked her specifically, I said, in the initiatory ordinance, we are promised that each part of our body will be blessed to be able to function correctly in the way that God needs us to do. And I asked her her thoughts. I said, um, you're deaf. And in the initiatory, we're promised that we will be able to hear the word of the Lord. And I wanted to know what her thoughts were about that. She had a very profound answer. And I like to share this every time I teach temple prep. She said she thinks of it in two ways. One, and she said this is kind of the lesser way that she said when she's blessed to be able to hear in the ordinance that it promises a blessing that she doesn't have in this life, but that she will be able to have in the next life. And it gives her something to look forward to, that someday she will actually have that physical blessing of hearing. But she said, far more importantly, that the blessing of being able to hear the Lord has so much more to do with hearing him with her heart and not with her ears. That she said, every time she reads the scriptures, she's hearing his words. Every time she prays, she's hearing his words. Every time she comes to church and shows. So she said, she doesn't have that physical blessing in this life, but it really is a blessing of her spirit that her spirit listens to God. And I think that's very applicable. When we go and do the initiatories, we're, we're blessed to have health and strength. And our family, we don't have a lot of health and strength necessarily. And it can be discouraging because we think, well, then I'm just not qualifying for these blessings or, you know, this is just said for everybody, but I'm the exception to this. It's not that we're promised perfect health and strength to serve. It's that the Lord has set us apart to serve in the capacity that we can. Uh, my oldest sister, Jen, she's amazing that whenever she feels up for it, she's out serving people. And she doesn't necessarily, she can't coordinate big babysitting events or, you know, make a ton of meals for a ton of families, but she serves in the way that she can. And uh, that's exactly what God has set her apart to do. So she has the health and strength to do that service and to do that ministering. And that she has a lot of blessings for doing that. It gives her greater eternal perspective. And I think that that's what this initiatory is all about, is eternal perspective. Going back to the temple recommend, when we make covenants in the temple and in the initiatory, we're promising to live in a holier way. It's not just enough to go to the temple and receive this ordinance. We have to then strive for personal worthiness and cleanliness and utilize Jesus Christ as our Redeemer to repent. We don't believe that we're just automatically saved um, because we say we believe. We need to, we can't earn our way into heaven, but we're learning the ways of heaven. And it it's up to us to use our agency to make correct choices. We can't just expect to live a depraved life and then be saved just because of what we are. Um, we need to become, and that's kind of the purpose of this life. So I think the initiatory gives you a lot to kind of live up for. I did want to talk a little bit about how the initiatory is actually done. We've talked about some of the blessings and 
So when you go to the temple to receive your own endowments, you've made an appointment with the temple. Your family is there to support you, your friends, uh, your ward family, anybody that came to support you. You're able to wear your first pair of garments. They, they instruct you of when it's time to put on your first pair of garments. And we'll talk a little bit about garment talk after. But you're also instructed to wear all white, which I love that. I love when you're in the temple and everybody is just wearing white and there's no distinctions of rank. There's no, you know, if the president of the church, President Russell M. Nelson, he came to the temple, he would be dressed the same as someone who has been recently converted and has been found worthy to come to the temple who wasn't born into the gospel. There's no distinction, which I think is just really beautiful. And I like to think that's exactly what heaven's going to be like, where we get to see each other in our full potential, basically. And although we're different, we all are dressed similarly as children of God. So I think that's really, I really like that we do that. It is fun to get some fun temple dresses, not going to lie. I got some really, I got a really pretty one that I usually get a lot of compliments on, but we're not there to draw attention to ourselves. So um, after we're able to get dressed, then we're directed into rooms that are where the initiatory ordinances are performed. I have a quote by Elder James E. Talmadge, who said, Provision is made also for rooms where certain ordinances of anointing are performed. In these ceremonies, only women administer to women and men to men. When Emma Smith, Joseph Smith's wife, received her endowment, she was set apart to perform the initiatory ordinances for women under the proper priesthood authority. As with revelation pertaining to how ordinances should be done, men stand as proxy for men and women stand in proxy for women um, for those who have passed away. I think this is just an incredible doctrine, and I get so excited teaching temple prep to be able to look into the eyes of the sisters in my class and say, this is an amazing chance to feel Heavenly Mother's love for her daughters. I like to say there's always a special bond between a mother and a daughter, and although the blessings are the same for the men and the women in the initiatory, there's slight changes in wording, it's very personal experience to receive your initiatory. It's almost, it reminds me of the way that Christ taught on earth, that he talked about parables, that the wording was the same, but it can mean something different to you depending on where you are in your life. And so in that way, I think, and I think there's a quote by Elder Maxwell, I don't want to butcher it, that man is so amazing. But he basically had a quote where he said, uh, the covenants are more highly individualized than we can ever imagine, which mm. I thought was really cool. So that's very much, you're going to see in the temple, a lot of repetition of concepts and of doctrine. But again, as you go often and you have different experiences in your life, you're going to continue to learn always. I think as President Nelson said a few years ago, he went to the temple and learned something brand new. I was like, this guy is, how old is he now? Like <laughs> 90 something? 99. 99. Still learning something new from the temple. And so that just goes to show this is a life of learning and the temple is a house of instruction. That doesn't necessarily mean that every time you go to the temple, you're going to learn something brand new, but you might learn a way, a different way of seeing the same doctrine. Just like when you're reading your scriptures, depending on what you're going through or what you're thinking about or what the Holy Ghost is prepared to direct your attention to, mm -hmm. you can learn new things every time. It's pretty amazing. And we don't really talk too much about Heavenly Mother uh, in our church, but we know that she's an integral part of the plan of salvation, that marriage is between a man and a woman and they're able to have children. So we do know since we have a heavenly father that we must have a heavenly mother. That's even in one of our hymns that the thought that we don't have a mother makes reason stare. And I, I personally think that we just don't talk about her too much because she's so sacred. And I think God does not want us to use her name lightly or discuss her lightly, but she is such an active part of our lives. I uh, was receiving a father's blessing and many times throughout many blessings, it talks about feeling my heavenly mother's love, which is just so so cool. So I really love in the initiatory that women are able to perform this ordinance for other women and men are able to perform them for men. And of course, it's all done under the priesthood power. Um, and it was really neat being a temple worker, getting to administer these ordinances. I think it's just, it's so special and it's something that we don't really experience outside of the temple. And so I think that's one thing that can catch a lot of people off guard if they're not prepared to see that. But I can say from personal experience as a temple worker, there were times when I was able to perform the initiatory ordinance and the women that I was helping perform it for, their eyes just filled with tears and they just felt love so strongly. It's just, it was really great. So I really, again, if you love words of affirmation, initiatories are for you. <laughs> it's pretty much the greatest <laughs> thing. <laughs> How do you continue to learn from the temple, even if you've gone countless times? Or there, is there anything that you do in particular? 
after an endowment ceremony, you get the opportunity to sit in a celestial room for a little while that there's no ceremony going on. You just get to bask in the spirit there and be with your loved ones. And my husband and I take that opportunity to say, what did you learn today? And we we discuss it with each other. And things that stood out to him, I'd never considered, or things that stood out to me, he had never considered. And we try and share with each other at the temple um, while we're feeling the spirit, the things that we learned that day or the things that impressed us, the wording or the feelings or whatever it is. And, and it uplifts both of us. I like that a lot. I like to bring questions to the temple, not necessarily faith shattering questions or things that are bothering me, but sometimes just think I'm going to focus on this a little bit. And I wonder why we do this in the temple. And I find as, as I come prepared with questions, I usually get some answers. And uh, I, I know a lot from experience that people come to the temple to receive revelation and to receive answers to their prayers. And I see a lot in the celestial room, especially when I was serving in the temple, people were very earnestly praying. I had read a quote and I'm going to find who said it so I can so I can definitely reference it and have that in the episode description that the temple is the only place on earth where we can expect to receive revelation doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the answers to every question that you have. And sometimes it takes a long process of time. And I I often find if we don't receive answers to our prayers, it might be that we're not asking the right questions. And so there's just a lot there. But I love that when you go to the temple, you can expect to feel God's spirit when you're prepared and ready to go. So yeah, I like to ask questions. I like to read temple books. There's so many good books written about the temple that I just can't overemphasize. And I get new ones every few months. And I love to study the most I can about the temple. There's so much symbolism. There's so much, even just the artwork, studying something new about the temple, I find helps me learn something, even if I've gone a million times. And sadly, it is really easy to go on autopilot sometimes and to just zone out, especially as a temple worker, when you're doing the initiatory ordinance and you're saying the same thing over and over for an hour, basically, um, that I would find sometimes just, I was thinking about, ooh, what should, what should I get for lunch today? <laughs> so I'm saying these amazing blessings. And often it took seeing a patron there, feeling the spirit to go, oh my goodness, I, I'm getting in the way of me feeling the spirit right now. So it's it's hard to sometimes not do things in routine or with too much familiarity. I also like to, well, I like to do family history. So amazing at it. I will find a name to take to the temple. I will have some young people who are um, healthier and stronger than I am do the baptisms and the confirmations. But then I like to pray for that person whose name I'm taking through that day. Cause only the first time do you do it for yourself after that it's proxy. But I pray that that woman's heart will be touched, that she will want these ordinances done. And if I try and think about the name that I have on my piece of paper and what she might be feeling right now, hoping that she will want this work done for her, that also helps me put in the right perspective why I'm there and what I'm doing. That's a great way. I love looking at the dates of when they were born or when they died. And I love calculating that they've been waiting 200 plus years for me to be able to come and get this ordinance done. And it is really exciting. And I definitely, I remember when I used to go do baptisms, I would pray with my testimony and ask God that whoever I'm doing the work for could hear my testimony in that moment and let them know how much I'm ex- how excited I am to be there for them and how much I love the gospel. I think that they are cheering you on, especially mm-hmm. if they want these ordinances performed in their behalf, which I think many do. Of course, they have the opportunity to reject them or accept them however they feel. I was given a blessing once when I was quite ill and it the blessing told me that those whom I had found on family search were praying for me as well and I thought they they have a little connection with me because I found them and and trying to help them in any way I can here and they in turn are praying for me how wonderful this plan is I love that it really makes me think about how When we serve others, we gain a greater appreciation for the service God has given us. And in a way, when we're serving in the temple, we're becoming um, not with the capital S and the full title of a savior, but we're experiencing being able to bring these ordinances to people who can't do it for themselves. And in that way, we can better understand Christ doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And I think that helps us draw closer to him too. So that's awesome. Isaiah in the 
Old Testament calls those saviors on Mount Zion. Yes, I was going to say, can I? Yeah, <laughs> that phrasing, exactly. So um, to kind of wrap up with initiatories, you're, you're dressed in white, you are symbolically washed, you are symbolically anointed, and then you are symbolically clothed, which being symbolically clothed basically means that you are able to wear the garments and you're promised blessings with wearing the garments. So unless you have any other thoughts about the initiatory, we'll kind of move on to garment talk. I always like to say in my temple prep class that garment talk is my third favorite kind of talk behind uh, TED talk and girl talk. So <laughs> garment talk. And temple talk. And temple talk, obviously. <laughs> There's an amazing video. I don't know if you've seen it. That was published by the church a few years ago. That shows a pair of unmarked garments and they talk about the blessings associated with them. It's such a good video. I highly recommend it. I will link that in the resources of this episode. But I'm going to quote a little bit about what they say. I tried to, to trim it down for the sake of brevity, but man, it's so good. <laughs> so um, quoting from this video, the church explained from ancient times, men and women have embraced sacred music, different forms of prayer, religious clothing, full of symbolism, gestures and ceremonies to express their innermost feelings of devotion to God. The variety of these forms of expression are as wide and diverse as the human family yet all have the same ultimate purpose, to connect the believer with the object of their devotion in a personal way to draw closer to God. To those outside of any particular faith, the ceremonies and clothing may seem unfamiliar, but for the participants, they can stir the deepest feelings of the soul, motivate them to do good, and to even shape the course of a whole life of service. All are part of a rich tapestry of human devotion to God. Not all such religious clothing are on public display. Some clothing is seen only in special places of worship, for example, the temple robes of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, known as the robes of the Holy Priesthood, are worn only inside Latter-day Saint temples and reserved for the most sacred ceremonies of their faith. And so when we are able to wear the garments, that's something we wear underneath our clothing. And it's just, it's a constant reminder. I remember the first time I wore my first pair of garments in the temple, I felt like the temple was giving me a hug. <laughs> I'm probably not always as thankful for my garments as I should be, especially when it's, you know, 115 degrees outside because we are wearing a few extra layers, although they're very comfortable. But so it's just a constant reminder of the promises that I've made in the temple and the initiatory really lays out here are some of the incredible blessings of being faithful and wearing your garments. Um, for members of the church, when you go to the temple to receive your own endowment, you will receive instructions from the bishop, the stake president, and as sisters, you get to meet with a temple matron. As brothers, you get to meet with a temple president or a member of the presidency, and they'll instruct you on some guidelines for wearing your garments and how to treat them with sacredness. Do you remember your thoughts about your first pair of garments, and did it take you a while to get used to them? It did feel different um, as underclothing wood that is different than anything else you'd worn, but I have never had a problem with it. I just like you want to start your day every morning with a prayer to help you throughout your day, getting dressed in the morning and seeing your garments and thinking about the covenants that you made. It is a protection to me to help me remember what's important, why I'm here, what I'm doing and I have always been grateful for them. And they are promised to be a protection against the adversary in this life and how grateful I am for that. I can use all the help that I can get. <laughs> yeah, me too. I uh, often feel like it took me a while to get used to wearing tumble garments because it's just something different to your routine every day. But the first time I went swimming and took off my garments to put on my swimming suit, I felt so exposed, even though it was a modest swimming suit. I felt like I was missing something and it kind of stressed me out, to be honest. You get so used to having that fabric around you and to remind you of the temple. A little bit quoting, continuing from the video, some people incorrectly refer to temple garments as magic underwear. Have you ever heard that phrase? <laughs> I have not. neither. <laughs> but I was like, I've heard of Mormon underwear, but never magic underwear. They explain in the video, these words are not only inaccurate, but can be offensive to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's nothing magical or mystical about temple garments, and church members ask for the same degree of respect and sensitivity that would be afforded to any other member of faith by people of goodwill. So the temple garments are worn by adult members of the church who have made sacred promises in the temple to keep God's covenants and live the gospel of Jesus Christ. To church members, the modest temple garment worn underneath normal clothing and the symbolic robes worn during temple worship represent a sacred and personal aspect of their relationship with God and their commitment to live good, honorable lives. 
So basically, the temple garments are a white fabric of a top, like a shirt, and bottoms, like shorts. And we wear that underneath our clothing every day to remind us of the, of the blessings that God has given us and to remind us of the temple. There are special markings in the garments, which we will not be discussing on this podcast. But as you go to the temple, you will get to learn what those are during the endowment ceremony. So that will help you understand the specific covenants that are tied in with wearing your garments. But they're very simple and straightforward. I am so, so thankful uh, when people, when the early saints started receiving their endowments, they had, their garments were like to wrist to wrist, right? And like ankle to ankle. Yes, they were. It was full body cloth coverings. Thank heavens that's not the case anymore. <laughs> and it's not necessarily that we changed the garment to fit modern times or anything like that. Clothing does change and they wanted us to make sure that we still have those reminders and don't have to dress like pioneers all day every day, which is just, oh, thank heavens. <laughs> you know, what you wear reflects in your attitude of what you're doing. If you are dressed to go to the beach, you are going to be more laid back and carefree. If you are in a tuxedo, you immediately act differently. If you put a skirt on a teenage boy, all of a sudden his voice goes up three octaves and he starts walking around on tiptoes being very girly. I think, I think what we wear reflects upon our behavior. And the Lord knows us well. He knows that we need constant reminders of why we are here and what's important and those things are an everyday thing, an everyday reminder. And I think we are to act as his sons and daughters that should act. So many good thoughts. I have so much to unpack with that, that I love that. Thank you. See, this is, <laughs> she's so profound, people. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think uh, we will discuss a little bit about modesty at the end of this episode. Um, so I'll definitely come back and touch that. But um, it, you know, it talks about in the scriptures that those who follow Christ will be a peculiar people that will be different. And one of the things we do differently is we wear additional clothing that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily see, but it will always be there for us. And as you mentioned before, we talked about how there's protection offered with wearing the garments. So um, just kind of leading into that, are there any blessings that you've seen in your life from wearing the temple garment? If you have anything specific? Um, I did not have to change my wardrobe a lot. My my parents raised us wearing modest enough clothes that it wasn't a big change. I wasn't wearing strapless or mm-hmm. mini skirts or things that you wouldn't be able to wear with the garment. So it has not made a negative impact. It's only been positive. Uh, great. I like that. I try to do something just as small as uh, when I come home after work and I'm tired, I just want to throw all my scrubs on the floor and not worry about it. But I always make the effort to pick my garments up out of my clothes and put them in a hamper because it just shows that I'm trying to treat those garments with a little more respect than I do my normal clothes. I try to always remember that. It doesn't always work, but <laughs> we do try to treat them with reverence, I guess is the way that I would want to say that. How often in the scriptures do people forget? We forget so quickly. And it makes sense that the temple gives us visual reminders, audio reminders, things that we do to remember these covenants because it's so important. And I even tactile. Yes. And honestly, I talk about how I think one of the biggest blessings of having the spirit in our lives is the gift of remembrance. You know, you go through a spiritual experience and think, I'm going to remember this the rest of my life. And as I go years and I don't write it down, I find that some of the details are, are blurring. And so how quickly we forget, and the garment is an ever-present way to remind us that this is the covenants that we have made, and this is the blessings God has given us, and this is what God expects us to do, as being set apart. So constant reminders, super important. That's why in our church, we repeat the same doctrine over and over and over, because we need all the reminders that we can get. Uh, so there's always a million what-if situations with garments and I think the wonderful thing, and it was a quote by, I think it was Joseph Smith that said that we are taught correct principles so that we may govern ourselves. God respects our agency. It's up to us and God to choose for ourselves how to treat our garments and when to and when to not wear them. There are guidelines that during the temple recommend interview questions, the bishop or I remember the state presidency will review the guidelines of how to treat your garments as such as going swimming. You're not wearing your garments out on display for everybody. So when you go swimming, it's okay. You should not be wearing and bathing and bathing. <laughs> Absolutely. Since it's a symbolic piece of clothing, it's in what the the perfect way I've heard garments summed up is an outward expression of an inward commitment. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. 
But there are situations, a lot of times I've heard people ask, is it okay to wear garments when I exercise? I don't want to get them all sweaty. I don't want to be disrespectful. And I always get to tell them that that is the blessing of your agency, that you and the Lord through prayer can decide on what you would like to do with that. There's not going to be a hard yes or no answer. And I always say just the guideline for when it comes to situations of wearing your garments, that it always should be what with what intent are you asking yourself? Are you genuinely worried when you exercise about getting the garments sweaty and you feel like it's disrespectful? Or are you just trying to get an excuse to get out of them for an hour kind of a thing? And so we're encouraged to wear our garments every day, night and day, rain or shine. And there are situations such as swimming and things that we will remove them. But the choice is going to be up to you and the Lord. So if you have a what if situation, you can certainly ask people around you that you trust and, and get their opinions on it. But that's the blessing that you get to make that decision with the Lord. I personally just err on since I live in Texas, I'm always sweaty. I'm just going to wear my garments regardless because it's going to happen <laughs> either way. <laughs> um, I'm just thankful for that agency to make those kind of choices. Something I love to discuss as we wrap up is a way we can prepare for the temple blessings before you receive your endowment at any age. As a young woman, I remember learning lessons about dressing modestly in terms of always showing respect to my body, which is very true. But now I look back and I absolutely believe that one of the biggest reasons we're encouraged to dress modestly is so when we go to the temple, we're already ready to wear our garments and to make those covenants that, as you said before, we won't have to change our whole wardrobe or our whole lifestyle or the way that we dress just to accommodate this new thing in our lives. And I, I really appreciated that because I think a lot of young men and women just get the message that we should dress modestly in terms of of you know, sex and and refraining and living, you know, the law of chastity. But I really think a big part of it too is that you are always your whole life, you are preparing to go to the temple and receive these ordinances. And there are definitely accommodations I've had to make in my wardrobe, things that were modest before. Sometimes the garment lengths go a little bit longer than what I had, a little closer to my knee. So I would have to do things. I still had to make some adjustments. But overall it wasn't a, a massive makeover of my life because I'd always been preparing. So um, I thought that this was interesting. The word modesty comes from the Latin word of modesta, which means sense of honor. Uh, so I just thought we'd talk a little bit about what the church teaches about dressing modestly um, as youth and as adults. It applies to every every age in life, what the standards are. So I took this from For the Strength of Youth, the updated. Is it still called For the Strength of Youth or did they change it? Okay, yeah. They said, modesty is an attitude of propriety and decency and dress, grooming, language, and behavior, which I love that. I think that didn't really occur to me that I always thought of modesty in terms of how you dress, but it's the way you present yourself. And it really comes down to, are you trying to draw attention to yourself or are you trying to draw attention to the Lord through the way that you behave and the things that you say and the things that you do? It continues to say, if we're modest, we do not draw undue attention to ourselves. Instead, we seek to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. And that's from Corinthians. Some good stuff. I Again, kind of the guidelines. There's so many what ifs with modesty. I would just like, I like to ask myself, would I feel comfortable if the Lord came to me today and I was wearing what I'm wearing? Would I be comfortable with my appearance in his presence? I think that could be a similar question about the language that we use, the behavior uh, would I say these words or participate in these activities if the Lord were present? And our honest answers to these questions may lead us to make changes in our life, which is, again, just a wonderful blessing of agency that if we find that we're not you know, necessarily doing the things in our dress and our behavior that are in line with what God wants us to do, that we have that ability to repent, to utilize Christ's cleansing ability, and to make new, better choices, I guess I would say, good, better, and best. Like I was saying, young men and women are taught to dress modestly. It's not only respect to God and gratitude for the sacred nature of our bodies, but it's actively preparing each individual to receive their gift of endowment and wearing the garments. If you find that you're not in a place to be able to wear garments now, consider changes that you can make that will be more consistent. So the garment will hopefully never seem like an inconvenience or a burden. It's a gift. And the word endowment literally means gift. And so when you go to the temple, and I think that language is very important that you will hear often people say, I went to take out my endowment. We're not removing anything from the temple. We're receiving a gift from the temple. And so I try to use that language of we go to receive our endowment, things like that. We don't take anything out. But I think that kind of covers the initiatory ordinances and garments. Of course, I will have all the links to all the resources used today. But do you have any final thoughts, anything you want to share? 
I consider being able to go to the temple one of the hugest blessings that I have. It feeds me spiritually. It fills me up. I am grateful for that opportunity. And I have been taught much about the temple. We were having a testimony meeting in Relief Society one day, and I said something about doing initiatories at the temple. And somebody, a young sister who had just been married, thought the only thing you could do at the temple were endowment ceremonies. Mm -hmm. She didn't know you could go back and do these others for other people unless it was just for yourself. So I encourage anybody to take opportunities to do any of the temple service ceremonies and it will enrich their lives. Absolutely. It reminds you of the covenants that you've made and allows you to help make those covenants available to those um, who have passed away. So it's always just a wonderful reminder. Thank you so much. I, I would love to share my testimony my love for initiatories and for the temple garments that we get to wear that it is such a sacred experience. And I highly, highly recommend that the first time you go to receive your own endowment, go back to the temple as soon as you can. Don't wait a long time. Try to go as often as you can. When you go to the temple for your first experience, and if you feel like it's uncomfortable, the chance of going back will really help you learn what God is ready for you to learn. And again, you continue to learn new things, but the best advice I've had from a lot of my friends say, go to the temple again as soon as you receive your endowment, because the more you repeat the ordinances and do them on behalf of others, the more comfortable you're going to feel with them, but the more you'll get out of them. Highly recommend when you get to go to the temple for your first time, definitely go back and do initiatories. Mm -hmm. uh, think about the garments you get to wear. A lot of people in the church I've discovered have, I've been teaching in my temple prep for years now, didn't know that once you've received your endowment, you are able to go and do sealing ordinances on behalf of those who have passed away before you're able to do it for yourself. That will all be coming up in some new episodes. Uh, next episode, we get to dive into the endowment ordinance itself and talk about some of those covenants made. Thank you so much, mom, for being on my podcast. You're Happy amazing. to be here. Yay. <laughs> And uh, I think we'll end it there. So thank you so much for joining us, listener. And I hope you have a celestial day. Bye. Bye.